0: about how to own your story and stand out in the marketplace. Michael Unbroken, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast.
1: Thank you, my friend. It's a pleasure to be here with you.
0: It is a pleasure to be with you. You are joining us from Denver, Colorado. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. We're in the same time zone. I very rarely actually end up talking with people that are in the same time zone as me. So this is actually kind of fun. Um, and we both are, you know, traveling back and forth to Salt Lake City in Denver, uh, often, and Denver often. And we had fun just chatting about that in the pre-interview. Today, we're going to be talking about how to own your own story and stand out in the marketplace. Now, there's a lot of different ways we could take this in terms of talking about personal branding, uh, professional branding, organizational branding, and and such. We're going to primarily be focused on the first part of that. We're going to talk about personal branding, professional branding, and and what we can do individually about that, but also what leaders can do to help their people do that as well so that we can grow into our careers. We can help our, our people grow into their careers and really maximize their potential. As we get started, I'll just share Michael's quick bio with everybody. Michael Unbroken is an entrepreneur, coach, podcast host, award-winning speaker, best-selling author, and advocate for adult survivors of childhood trauma. That is fantastic. Anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of your background or personal context before we dive on into the conversation?
1: Yeah, man, I think context is everything. Um, I've actually been in leadership since I was 18 years old. I landed my first job working for a fast food joint, um, became a general manager in training, um, was running a team of 52 people, learning P&L, shrink, loss, training, hiring, firing, the whole nine as a baby, right? 18 years old. I don't trust any 18-year-old, so I don't know how I landed that. Uh, found myself in the, in the corporate world at 21, um, no high school diploma, no college education, landed a job with a Fortune 10 company, a company everyone listening to this has heard of, um, and as of today, I run three different companies leading multiple teams around the world on different initiatives. Um, and, you know, it's a, a far stride from growing up homeless. So it's a pleasure to be here, man.
0: I don't want to dig into anything you don't want to talk about, but because you do a lot of work uh, helping those who have, have, have experienced trauma, uh, I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind just sharing a little bit about your upbringing and some of the challenges you faced and how you overcame them.
1: Yeah, man, Um, I don't mind at all. I mean, this is literally what I do. The mission of Think Unbroken is to end generational trauma in our lifetime through education and information. And so that means I've got to be able to lead it, right? Um, The quick version is at four years old, my mother, who was a drug addict and alcoholic, uh, she actually cut off my right index finger. Um, My stepfather was super abusive, put me in the hospital multiple times, was homeless from eight to 12. I lived with over 30 different families. Um, I started using drugs at 12, alcohol at 13, got kicked out of high school for selling drugs. Um, and and life was just a disaster. I was just trying to figure out how to navigate growing up in that environment, um, got put into a last chance program, still did not graduate high school on time. Basically, they said, you're out. They gave me a, a bullcrap diploma. and They're like, go get away from us. And uh, And I was just trying to figure out the solution for life. I decided to chase money legally. Um, which was incredibly important. I've been in handcuffs multiple times. I have family in prison for life. And as of today, my three childhood best friends have been murdered. So I knew my path. And I made a declaration to myself to go and figure out this thing called business and life and landed that job at that fast food joint, landed the, the career at the, the Fortune 10, started building my own businesses on the side, um, hit a massive rock bottom at 25 years old. Um, and then, you know, I spent the last 12 years figuring out how to do the hardest thing that we do that's learning to love ourselves, get unstuck and become the hero of our own story.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love that, and and as you said, you know, so many from your from your upbringing, from your past, have had a very different outcome. Um, so part of that is just a sobering awakening, right, of of what your life. Could, was like, what it could have continued to be like, like the trajectory. And you, you chose a different path, but it's, it's not smooth sailing at that point. And sometimes we watch these motivational movies and we think, oh, we, you know, we have a turning point and all of a sudden everything fixes itself and, and life is grand. Uh, but it's, it's an ongoing challenge for everyone uh, continuously. And, and you just referred to this, an additional wake up moment you had at 25. Um, and ultimately we all have to go through that process And some of us have had more challenging upbringings than others. There's all these different types of privileges that some have more than others. Um, Ultimately, though, whatever our circumstance, whatever our context, we need to lean into uh, owning that experience, that story, and then plowing our own path forward in a healthy way, right? And, And that can involve therapy and counseling and, and medic sometimes medications and like there's all these different things that we can do to try to address that but ultimately we have to wake up to it and then we can start to move forward in a positive way so I, I love all that about how you shared your experience um, and and as you were closing your last comments you talked about you know really coming to that awakening and, and learning how to own your own story that is super important as we move forward in life generally you know just to have a productive healthy satisfying, life in an impactful life, uh, we need to do that for ourselves. If we start to zoom in and, and think about that in terms of work life, in terms of organizational life and career, it, it's absolutely essential because we're all having to tell the story of who we are, what we bring to the table, the value that we add so that you know either in starting our own businesses and trying to find investors or, or customers, Or if we're working for an organization and trying to convince people to hire you, you know, that you have the skill sets necessary, we need to be able to own our story and to be able to tell our story. So tell us a little bit more about some of what we can do as we try to to establish and, and tell, own and tell our own professional and career story so that we can drive more impactful careers.
1: Yeah, well, you know, people don't invest in ideas, they invest in people. And I think one of the most important things that you have to reconcile is the truth that it's very likely that your past is keeping you from going where you want to go, you know, and and that's a very hard conversation for people to hear because it's uncomfortable, but it's true and like, if you don't have the truth, then you're in trouble. And you have to recognize the impact of causation and correlation across your journey. You know, I, I, I on the occasion, will coach these very high-performing Fortune 50, Fortune 100, Fortune 500 CEOs and executives. I'm, you know, even one of my clients now works as an executive for a company that everybody knows on planet Earth, so context. And you know, when she came into being coached by me, she was making like $45,000 a year. Now she's making like 400000 right? And it's not about the money. It's about the confidence. It's about the self-belief. It's about ultimately getting out of your own way. But the only way you do that is by recognizing the truth. Like it's, it's not that you don't have the ability to have everything that you want in life. It's that you haven't yet given yourself permission to be able to get to that because you're still trapped in the narrative that your worth is based on what you have now. And you don't understand that what you want to have, you can have, but you just are not good enough yet to have it, right? And people get trapped in that what they hear. And they missed the word yet, because I promise you, I've seen so many incredible people build these amazing lives and go and have things like way beyond whatever they're capable of. I mean, statistically alone, dude, I should be dead or in jail. There's less than a 3% chance I'm having this conversation with you. And and that's based on your zip code alone. And you think about the ideas of, of growing up and being in this place where we're always trying to figure out who we are. Everyone has been impacted by some type of adverse childhood experience. I mean, you go look at the ACE survey in the 90s. It was correlated that 83% of people had an adverse childhood experience. I would argue it's actually 100%. Nobody gets out of this unscathed. And so when you think about the impact of those moments and how they keep you st- Suck, right? This place where for whatever reason you keep sabotaging, you can't show up, you keep breaking down, you get to the pinnacle and then you crash and burn and you continually are back and back and back in that loop. Well, it's because you haven't yet identified that thing that has put you in that position of not being able to move forward. And so when you can identify that thing, whatever it may be, and dude, it could be something so small as something in passing that would not even impact most people, but created this precedent in your life that's got you stuck 25 years later. Right, you were in Miss Smith's class in 3rd grade and you were coloring the house and you made the sun purple and Miss Smith comes up to you and puts her hand on your shoulder and she goes, "The sun's not purple." And she chuckles and the whole class laughs at you. And your brain, because it's built on survival mechanisms, looks at that and goes, "Oh no, this is dangerous because I know if I get ostracized from the community, I'm going to probably die because I'm going to be in the wilderness alone." And so the brain makes meaning of that moment. And so since its main sur- service is survival, it goes, am I safe or am I not safe? It categorizes those actions and those stimulus. Now it looks at this as going, okay, wait, when I'm me and I do something creative, i.e. color the, moon, the sun purple, that means that I get chastised and possibly ostracized. So I don't actually want to be me because it's dangerous And then 30 years later, you can't seem to cross the finish line on the things that you want to do because it involves you stepping into your creativity and you don't know how to do that because your brain autonomically has said, no, this isn't safe. And when you can understand that and you can put meaning to that and you can create a framework for growth around that, you can step into what's next. And that's where ownership takes place. I think you're right.
0: I don't think any of us come out of childhood unscathed. Uh, some are more scathed than others, of course. But I like the, the school example that you just gave. And my, my wife is a math teacher. So one thing I've heard her say is uh, that you, you look at pretty much anyone who has high levels of math anxiety uh, or has struggled with any quantitative or math types of subjects in school, uh, and you ask them about their experience, uh in elementary school, and almost 100% of them can point to, they, they very specifically remember having specific teachers telling them they're stupid, they can't do math. <laughs> um, and they, and they yep. internalize it, and they carry it forward with them. And I think of uh, just a personal example, uh, I was always good at math. And so I always had the opposite Kind of messaging people were always telling me oh you're really great at math and so I always just believed I was really good at math um, my b- younger brother who's two years younger than me he had the opposite he had those experiences where teachers were like what's wrong with you why can't you do this or whatever and so he internalized that he was bad at math well guess what you fast forward many years and we're both like taking graduate school exams after getting our bachelor's degree and we're both going on to different grad programs we take these graduate school exams we score pretty similarly on the quantitative portions of those exams, meaning our, our competency related to quantitative and math skills was pretty much the same. Yet he still at that moment felt like he's not good at math. <laughs> and you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty good at math. And so the stories that other people tell us and put on us and then we carry with us throughout our lives uh, can really make huge, have huge impacts and influence the decisions that we make he had made decisions about not going into quantitative fields because he felt like he wasn't good at math uh, when he's perfectly capable. He's as good as I am pretty much. And, uh, and, and how do you just magnify that a, a thousand times with all the different little things that we, we internalize in our childhood and then into adulthood? And we really do have to just like learn how to stop listening to what other people are saying, own our own story and and become who we want to be uh, and not allow those limiting thoughts to to tie us down. So I, I think that example that you provided was fantastic. Check out my new book, The Future Leader: Creating and Transforming Next Gen Organizations. Stemming from two decades of professional experience and over six hundred in-depth interviews with executives, thought leaders, and scholars from across the globe. The Future Leader will help you explore the ordinary, everyday actions that will help you to prepare to lead in the future of work, to respond to an uncertain future, and to produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Academy, What are, what are some of the ways that we can, once we start to recognize those limitations, we start to set aside those limiting thoughts, we start to lean into who we are and become comfortable with our own you know, true authentic self, how do we start to leverage and tell a, a powerful story about ourselves as we move forward into our career?
1: Yeah, I think most importantly, you just have to have clarity about what it is that you want to talk about and who it is that you want to be. And and I think one of the really dangerous aspects of the world that we live in today is that people are so quick to just go dump all their crap on the internet. And you're like, damn, dude, you can't do that. That's not beneficial to anyone. That doesn't help you. It doesn't help them. And you know, there, there are aspects of my life, even in the realm in which I, I teach and I coach and I educate and I write, you will never learn some of the things that have happened in my life because I have massive clarity about the things I want to share and what I don't. And, and I think that there's this place of really you kind of have to like fail your way forward, right? Thinking in terms of John Maxwell, like you're, you're going to make mistakes on your way to figuring this out. In, in my first book, I wrote this this subchapter. It said, create you. And this entire process is about that. Most people, they don't know who they are. And I know that's a weird thing to say, but they don't have their values figured out, their boundaries, their wants, needs, interests, personal statements, mottos, you know, and people are just nonchalantly kind of moving about life. And you have to create a North Star, you have to make a declaration about who it is that you are, and then move towards that. Because on a long enough timeline, that can become you, right? Effectively, I look at myself today, I am only a realization of the idea of the person that I thought I could be. And the person that I want to be is 37 freaking years away. And so every single day I have to show up as that, but you have to be willing to fail in this journey, right? And and failure is not a bad thing. And you hear people talk about this a lot, but I don't know that people really go into the depths of why it's so important Because when you fail, you're going to learn. And when you learn, you iterate. And when you're in this iterative process, what happens is you start to make meaning of these scenarios, and you're able to create a context for understanding at a better scope who you are. You know, I made every leadership mistake you could make as a kid. Like, imagine an 18-year-old working with a bunch of 18-year-olds. What do you think we were doing? You know what I mean? And so it was like, man, I'm just trying to figure this out. And one of the greatest lessons that I've learned in being able to step into leadership is the willingness to hold true, to fall on my sword when I make mistakes and say, you know what, I, I've, I screwed up here. This is on me entirely. Whether it's a $5 mistake or a $5 million mistake, or whether it's, you know, I, I made the wrong hire or whatever it is, like, I'm always the first to be like, yep, that's on me. Because you have to have massive ownership around those failures because as I lead more, as I grow more, as I have more teams and bigger teams at a bigger scale and bigger reach, like I need to know where I'm missing the market because- Again, this whole thing is an iterative process. I have a hypothesis about what it takes to accomplish whatever that goal is. But the only way that I'm going to reach that goal is you're going to have to make mistakes on your way there because, dude, I don't know anyone who's ever set a goal and reached it the first time. Like, it's a, it's almost impossible. And so as you're going through this process and the goal is being yourself, right? Here's what's really fascinating when we get a little bit deeper into this. See, in my opinion, I don't think trauma in terms of just the context of, you know, pain, suffering, whatever may happen, the physical ramifications. I think about it as the theft of identity in so many of us, we become chameleons. We bend ourselves to the world. We placate ourselves. And so stepping into being who we are, there's somebody listening right now who's like, I know I have leadership skills, but they're so terrified of stepping into that because they've only been told that they're not capable, right? And, and what happens is you have to literally create yourself. You have to build yourself into being the person that you want to be by identifying who that person is and moving towards it aggressively, like a lot and ignoring the fact that people are going to judge you in this process. Cause I promise you, you're going to have people around you and they're going to say this, John, I promise you, I swear to God, they're going to say this. They're going to go, you changed. Jay-Z has one of my favorite quotes of all time people around you saying that you changed. Well, I didn't do all this work to stay the same. And that's the truth about this. If you're willing and you recognize and you can be okay with the fact, look, people don't like you anyway. You might as well get comfortable with it. I know people don't like me. It's fine. It's fi- It doesn't matter. What does that have to do with the reflection in the mirror? And the greatest thing that you can do is just go look in that mirror and have the conversation of truth with yourself. Because if you're unwilling to do that, no one will ever follow you. Authenticity is the most, the highest vibrating frequency known to man. According to my friend, who's a freaking genius, Gary Brecka. And no, really, he's truly a genius. And he says, you can measure it. You can measure authenticity. And if you are inauthentic, your team will not follow you. You will make the wrong hires. Your businesses will fail. And ultimately you'll put your head on the pillow at night and you'll be miserable.
0: Yeah, yeah. Wow. So so much there. That's just so important. And you, you just said it. I mean, it, it, it really, really is worth uh, doubling down on and just helping everyone recognize that if, if we're living to, to please others, we're, we're never going to truly grow into ourselves or, or feel satisfied with who we are. Uh, and there are so many things. I mean, it, it can come from a thousand different ways, right? Sometimes it, it comes from like a uh, like a, a expectations from a faith community that you, that you grow up in, right? And maybe maybe all that resonates with you. Maybe you want all of that. Maybe you don't, though, as you get older. Um, but there's social norms coming at us all from all directions, cultural and social norms, Uh, in society telling us what's right, what's wrong, what we're supposed to be doing. Um, And while, while those play a function, we need to learn how to tune in to who we really are, what we really want, what really matters and resonates for us, what makes us happy, what makes us feel fulfilled. And just because someone else tells us this should make you feel fulfilled doesn't mean it will, right? And if we can't recognize that in ourselves, and then uh, become comfortable with doing what makes sense for us, then we're we're going to be walking like a zombie through life. Um, and we may, you know, even think that we're happy, but it, you know, it, is it truly that true sustainable kind of reinvigorating type of happiness uh, and satisfaction that can come from just being honest with yourself uh, and trying to live your authentic self? Will others tell you that they're unhappy with you that they're just that they don't approve will people say you've changed like you said Of course people will say that and in some cases those are relationships that will that can and will be adjusted and and matured and developed so that everyone can be comfortable with that in other cases you're gonna have to uh, move on and, and move to different relationships. Um, but if someone says you've changed like in a with a condescending tone, I mean, my, my reaction to that is, well, thank you. <laughs> I have changed, in fact. <laughs> and because I'm learning and I'm growing and I'm trying to take in new inputs. And as I learn more about myself and the world around me, my positions change, my understanding of the world changes, how I want to interact with people changes. So I hope I'm changing. I hope I'm not the same person that I was in my early 20s. I hope that I'm not the same person, you know, in, in, when I'm 60, I hope I'm not the same person that I am now. Um, I, I think that's a compliment. And yet we live in a world where often that's used as some sort of a derogatory kind of a, 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 a comment. And and so let's learn to get past that. Let's learn to lean into just being who we are and then tell that authentic story uh, to employers, tell that authentic story uh, to partners, to investors, to whomever. Uh, and pe- like you said, people resonate with that. People, people can see inauthenticity a mile away. Uh, And they don't want to follow that, but they will follow and be committed to authentic leaders who truly try to live their best lives and try to help their people to do the same.
1: Yeah, And, and one of the things that I think people need to really sit in is that often to be authentically you requires a level of being polarizing. Um, and if you are always trying to make everyone happy, you're never going to make anyone happy and worse, people aren't going to trust you or believe you, dude, I get canceled on the internet all the time. I don't care. Because I have my opinion, I have my thought. This is the truth that I believe about this journey and this experience. And if you don't resonate with that, that's fine. You're not my client, you're not my customer, you're not my employee. And and the truth about that is you've got to be comfortable with the fact that if you're not being polarizing, you're probably not saying anything worth value. I'm not saying go out here and intentionally like burn the world down. That's just stupid. But I'm like saying speak your truth and understand that people will come after you and it doesn't matter. And especially on the internet because they won't say it to your face. I swear to God, they won't say it to your face.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, the internet. Yeah, so that's a whole uh, a different topic for another day. But <laughs> uh, This was so much fun, Michael. I really appreciate it. I know at the time I need to let you go here in a minute, but before we go, I just wanted to give you a chance to share with the listeners how they can get connected with you and find out more about your work and then any final word on the topic.
1: Yeah, man, I know. Um, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for for allowing me to have this space with you today. It means the world to me. Um, I'm everywhere on social at Michael Unbroken, but you can just check out the Think Unbroken podcast if you go to thinkunbrokenpodcast.com or search Think Unbroken. Um, everything I teach is there literally for free.
0: Wonderful. Thank you, Michael. It's been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Michael and his team can do for you. Check out the podcast, other resources, his books. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Bluer than indigo leadership, the journey of becoming a truly remarkable leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep and vibrant blue. What some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There is no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of your problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for your individuals, teams, and organizations. Check out Human Capital Innovations Magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think.